Ever been confused about discipleship? Jesus had how many? 12 disciples. He lost one, then he added one. And ever since then, the church has grown through discipleship. So today we're going to talk about 13 misconceptions related to discipleship. And this is a true chopping block coming off of Dave's great talk on relating to disciples or relating to discipleship. So welcome to the chopping block. Welcome. Yeah, so we've got a number of different items that we weren't able to address during that teaching. Hopefully this will be helpful to you. There's some reasons, I think, why many of us are confused about disciple-making and discipleship. So historically, discipleship um, it started out, that was the main uh, missions and uh, equipping vehicle of the church. Right from the get-go, they followed Jesus' commands, but very quickly, they started letting go of disciple-making, right? And so a lot of that had to do with you know heresy and false teaching was creeping into the church. Uh, but very quickly, they started kind of locking down on this stuff, uh, started making a lot more hierarchical, centralizing power, more in leadership. And so when that happened, increasingly so, uh, every member of minister, every normal Christian being uh, a minister of the gospel, it kind of got lost. Yeah. Right. And so it makes sense that very quickly, it, it, you know, about 2000 years ago, if disciple making got lost, it would make sense why a lot of folks are confused about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, with some notable exceptions, uh, throughout history, the church has largely left discipleship and disciple making on the wayside, along the wayside. And it hasn't been until really uh, the early mid 1900s, uh, you know, with Dawson Trotman and uh, the navigators that disciple making has really been pushed back into the, the forefront of the Christian church's ideas, yeah. especially here in the West. Yeah. So it makes sense if you're confused. Yeah, a little shout out to the navigators. That's right, that's right. All right, so uh, today we're going to jump in uh, and we're going to talk about 13 misconceptions that you may have and that many folks have about disciple making. Hopefully this will be helpful to help you take a next step uh, with what the Lord calls us to as believers. Mm -hmm. So should we just go ahead and get started? Yeah. Number one. First one is you have to be young or in college. You, you do, right? You do. Uh, no, oh. that's a misconception. It's a misconception. Now, it makes sense in part because uh, the the resurgence of disciple making, especially here in America, like we said, came along with the navigators and college ministries specifically. And in military environments. That's, yeah, okay, yeah, a lot of younger folks in these environments. Mm -hmm. So the, uh, it makes sense that a lot of folks would think you have to be in college. And, uh, but that's just really not true. It's not true at all. Right. Have you found that to be true in your experience that most folks think that or a lot of folks think that? Yeah, I think there's, uh, College students are more available than those who are married with kids and with uh, high demanding jobs. Yeah, and so right. maybe it's a little easier to go after, but mm -hmm. it's definitely not just for college students. That's right. So college students may have a little bit more time, may even be able to disciple more people at the same time. Yeah. Great. If you're in that stage of life, rock it. Yeah. Make the most of your college That's right. years. But if, you, if you've got a lot of young kids at home, if you're in a, you know, in a job and you can only engage with maybe one person over a number of years, great. At the end of the day, it's not about production primarily, but, but about faithfulness and moving uh, mm -hmm. forward in relationship. Okay, so that's number one. Strike that one down. You don't have to be young or in college. Mm -hmm. Number two, you don't have time. Wait, I don't have time. You don't? Wait, maybe that's a misconception. No. Well, uh, I guess you could answer it either way. But we all have the same amount of time, right. right? No matter where you live, no matter what culture you live in, no matter how many kids you have, you have the same amount of time. So that's a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek answer, but it's profound as well. It all comes down to how we prioritize yeah. and allocate our time. So you do have the same amount of time as everyone else. And like we said in, the, in number one, it may be that you can't disciple as many people at the same time as uh, someone else who has more availability. But at mm -hmm. the end of the day, that's... 
that's really not what counts. It's not what matters. Yeah. And maybe you need to cut some things out so you do have more time to devote Ooh, to disciple yeah. making. Yeah, a few uh, uh, chopping block episodes ago, getting to that 70%. I think that was episode 11. I believe so. Yeah, go check that one out. All right, so uh, go ahead and keep plotting wherever you're at. Number three, you do have to have been discipled to be able to disciple someone else. So wait, else. I have to have been discipled to disciple another? Uh, that's wrong. That's the misconception. That's the misconception. It's pretty common. It makes sense. Uh, moving forward in disciple making uh, can be kind of a scary venture. And so it yeah. makes sense that folks would be blowing away. <laughs> makes sense that folks would be scared about this. But the, it's, a, uh, it's definitely a misconception that you have to have been discipled to disciple someone else. If it was true that you have to have been discipled to disciple and the discipleship is just getting back into the church, then we would all sit back and no one would be discipling That's right. anyone. So Most of us would have an excuse. <laughs> some courageous, faithful few to jump in no matter where they're at. That's right. All right, so you don't have to have been discipled. That one doesn't, that one doesn't cut it. All right, number four, you have to be older than the person you're discipling. All right, so this one gets a little bit more nuanced, so, mm -hmm. so lean in a little bit here. Uh, older can mean older in age or it can be more mature, and we're specifically talking about more mature in the faith. So um, you don't have to be older in age to disciple someone, although uh, it makes sense, though, that that can be kind of a difficult uh, mm -hmm. path, kind of swimming upstream if you're trying to disciple someone who's significantly older than you. It, it's just a reality. You know, it's, it's harder for older folks, even us older folks, mm -hmm. to really uh, to be led by someone younger than us. Right. But that's not a hard and fast rule from the scriptures. Yeah. What counts is your maturity in the faith. And so there's always someone who's maybe a step or two back uh, from you on the journey and that you can pour into. So uh, you definitely don't have to be older than someone. You need to be at least as mature as the person you're discipling. However, however, you can disciple someone who's about the same maturity as you. We talked about peer discipleship, where folks who are of similar maturities mm -hmm. get together for mutual encouragement and they take turns leading each other. That can be great. Yeah. So don't let that stop. Yeah, you may have a young, young believer who's faithful, available, and teachable, who's trying to teach an old dog new tricks and uh -huh. kind of stringing them along and saying, please help, please help, please help. And you got a little peer, right. peer discipleship action happening, which yeah, it is can great. Be, it can be great. Yeah. That can be great. All right, so you don't have to be older necessarily than the person you're discipling. You ready for number five? Taking that drink. You should meet with someone who is just like you. Yeah, right? just same, they need to be just like you, right? Right, yeah, like to your friends, right? I, I need someone who loves to play Settlers of Catan or Dominion with me. Yeah, right? and I need someone who enjoys disc golf, right? Yeah, so we wouldn't probably be able to meet with each other. No, we can't. <laughs> Wait, that's the misconception. That's the misconception. You don't have to meet with someone who's exactly like you. It can be great if you have those relationships, just like friendships. If you've got someone who's a lot like you, that can be really fun. It can be quicker, easier mm -hmm. to develop those friendships. But I've also experienced that in many ways, folks who are very different from you, um, even though it might take a little more work at the front end, those can develop into very powerful discipling relationships. Uh, and it can be your differences that really aid in the discipling process, yeah. right? You see things in each other, you complement each other, and oftentimes in ways that similar friends, you know, affinity-based friends, wouldn't be able to do. Yeah. And I, I've experienced this uh, for sure in my experience in disciple making. I, I met with a guy uh, it's been many years ago now, who was very different from me. We had some similarities, a lot of very big differences. But when you have uh, the, the gospel, when you have something like discipleship, kind of stitching your relationships together to start, 
it can be really powerful because then once the friendship develops, it, it, yeah. it's actually quite strong. Yeah, so when the, the initial tie that binds is the gospel or disciple making yeah. and not the affinity-based activity, then then it's it's legit. We know yeah. we're coming together. It can be pretty rich. And then over time, maybe I enjoy Settlers of Catan. And maybe <laughs> I get him out playing disc golf and then your life's That's been right. enriched in other ways. That's right. You're still working on me on one of those. <laughs> hey. Oh, man, You're we're working on me as well. <laughs> Take your foot off. All right, well, we'll see what's happening. All right, so number six, you ready? You have to wait until someone asks you to disciple them. Right, so we you need to, to wait. wait. Just wait until someone asks you. Right, yeah, you wouldn't want to be a jerk, right, and just, right. like, assume that someone wants to meet with you. No, absolutely not. Of course, the scenario works great when someone asks you to disciple them. That's really natural. You can easily say yes. It's easier to kind of even set ground rules and expectations and... If it gets tough later, you can say, hey, remember you wanted to meet with me on this. But it doesn't have to work that way. And actually, it often doesn't work that mm -hmm. way. It can be a real encouragement to someone else if you were to take the initiative. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, that's what we have to offer is the initiative. Oftentimes, yeah. that's what God's love even yeah. says. We, it takes the initiative. It, it takes a little extra risk yeah. Yeah. right, to initiate with someone. Hey, would you like to meet yeah. together for discipleship? We love because he's loved us first. So we've already been yeah. initiated with because of Christ's love for us. Yeah. So the burden's on us to initiate. And when you initiate, even if someone's not available or they say no, that's fine. It's still success because you've taken a step and that's you, right. you've risked. And, and chances and, are they're probably not mad that you asked. That's right. They're you probably can initiate blessed. again. Mm -hmm. All right, next one, number seven. You have to be naturally extroverted and super excited about this mm -hmm. for it to go So well. discipleship is for extroverts. It's for extroverts. need to find something else. <laughs> that's right. Well, I, I experience this pushback sometimes, whether explicitly or implicitly. You know, this one is is categorically not true, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to be an extrovert, and you don't have to be naturally excited about this one. Uh, we know that it's a it's a call uh, by God on all people. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus told all of his disciples, "Make disciples who make disciples." So, in in some ways, extroverts might have a leg up. It might be easier for them to get started. Mm -hmm. But uh, in my experience, introverts often have some of the tools more naturally that are required to kind of keep the thing going for the long haul. So uh, there's a step to take either way. You don't have to be an extrovert and you don't have to be excited about it. Mm -hmm. Like I'll, I'll tell you the truth right now. I'm, I'm not excited about taking a step in some other areas of my life. Mm -hmm. Can you name one for me? What's, what's an area you've noticed? Um, maybe like working out. Personal more? health. Okay. That's right. I'm not excited about it, but do I need to take that step? I would say you yes. You better believe I do. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. And it's similar with something like disciple making. Yeah. And I think even consider perhaps Jesus was an introvert. He needed to get away to be recharged. And, That's an interesting And thought. he enjoyed being with the crowds, but always looked for a chance to get away. And mm -hmm. he invested deeply in discipleship. That was his method. Yeah, was Jesus an extrovert or an introvert? Oh, that's an interesting question. Hmm. Okay, so this one kind of dovetails into the next one. Number eight, common misconception is it shouldn't be awkward. So if it gets awkward, we, we leave. You have to stop. We Clearly, stop. this didn't work. No. It makes total sense that it would be somewhat awkward, yes, right? Yes, because awkward is the new awesome. It's the new awesome. And that's, that actually is kind of true. So I remember my first uh, discipling relationship where I asked someone if they wanted to meet with me. I drug my feet for months and months and months. Uh, I was afraid. I was, I was scared that it was going to be awkward, that I wouldn't know what to do. And uh, once I finally asked, uh, his, his name was Kyle, if he wanted to meet with me, it was a little awkward even in that moment. But wasn't too bad he said yes mm -hmm. and so when I remember our first meeting when we started meeting it was slightly awkward I told him I'm not quite sure what to do and he said me neither mm -hmm. and it was a little awkward and I think I said this is a little awkward and he said not too bad yeah and so we pushed through it 
and very quickly uh, just admitting the awkwardness made it go away pretty quick and then yeah. we kind of started getting into a rhythm and the awkwardness left pretty quick yeah that could be as simple as hey maybe we should read the bible that's right and after you read it do you have any thoughts we can pray now the awkward that's came back great. in at parts as we would push into real life in each other's lives we would push into stuff that we didn't necessarily want to go through, uh, go into easily, and so there was a, uh, some moments of awkwardness, but it was really good awkward. Yeah. It was this, the like this is definitely the thing we yeah. need to push into, and, and so that doesn't that doesn't have to be a bad. Yeah, thing. if you think about it, most things we do in life that are worth it have their moments of awkwardness. That's right, uh, dating, yeah, marriage, yeah, that's right, growing, stretching. So. Yes, that's right. Okay, you ready for number nine? Mm -hmm. Number nine, you have to meet in a coffee shop. Yes, with a Bible, uh -huh. pen, journal. That's right. And it has to be coffee. There should probably be Christian music playing on the speakers too. Yes, no. Absolutely not. Misconception. Misconception. We're not even in a coffee shop right now. Can you tell folks where we are right now? We are behind uh, Flint Hills Discovery Center uh, up the little path, and there's a space up here. No one else is up here. There's plenty of tables and chairs. It's yep. beautiful. Weather's great. Beautiful overlook Manhattan. There's even some car sounds in the background, which would be ideal to give you a little bit of uh, verbal privacy. That's right. And you can bring your own coffee or drinks or food or whatever up here, and this would right. be a great spot to meet. Right. You don't have to meet in a coffee shop. However, there's a reason that some folks think that. Uh, many folks work or uh, don't have a whole lot of availability or... Mm -hmm. There's a lot of kids screaming at home. So if you can get away, a coffee shop could be great. Right. It could be ideal. So don't toss that one out just because it's a misconception. Yeah. However, uh, for some folks, uh, many other things can work differently. Uh, Lizzie uh, shared uh, a couple weeks ago when we preached on this, when we talked about this, she shared how uh, uh, her first disciple-making experience was uh, uh, going grocery shopping, I think she said, mm -hmm. and that that was great. Uh, great conversations happened as it went. That's, yeah. that's awesome. A lot of folks go for a walk or a run. I've done that. Yeah. More the walk than the run. I probably should go for the run. It's hard to talk. When what are run. yeah? What are a few other uh, spots that you've seen? Um, well, I mean, finding a public space that's available and free is mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. uh, there may be a space in your in your church that has set aside mm -hmm. to meet, or your home. In your home, yeah. I mean, really anywhere where you can have a meaningful conversation. That's right. I will say, if you do meet at a coffee shop, I'd encourage you both buy a drink or something to yes. support the local business. We don't want to be those Christians who show up and don't patron the uh that's right the establishment so be that's a good right. steward be a good uh, uh enjoyer of the local yeah that's business. Good. all right so it doesn't have to be at a coffee shop get creative see what works all right few more number 10 you have to be very mature in christ you have to know a lot and have your life together what do you think on that one if that is true then a lot of us are sunk <laughs> including probably more yes. folks than you would believe yeah that's right. You don't have to have your life together. You don't have to know a lot of Bible. Um, you don't have to be very mature in Christ. In many ways, jumping into discipleship wherever you're at can be actually a boon to your own growth. Yeah, absolutely. As, you're, as you meet with someone, things start to get real and you get, uh, get the sense sometimes, oh, I need to get yeah. serious about some of this yeah. stuff. It can be great. A phrase that I've heard before that's been helpful is you can always share what you know with who you know mm -hmm. and uh, you can go from there. Yeah, and a lot of times it's People like to follow those who are leading with a limp. And so if you try to come across, if you have it all together, that's really hard it's to follow and it's off-putting. So mm -hmm. let people know your weaknesses and express that you need help too and lead with a limp. That's uh, that's. Uh, I like that. That's yeah. right. That's how Jacob led. That's right. That's right. Um, so be, be okay to say, I struggle with that too or I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and as you dive deeper deeper into discipleship, you're going to probably notice areas where you want to get more equipped, right. and that's great. You can get equipped as you go. 
Absolutely. All right, number 11. We're getting down the home stretch here. Number 11. And this is one I hear, I think, maybe the most. Yeah. This might be the biggest one. Nobody would want to meet with me. Oh. I don't have anything to offer. And I, I have some compassion with this one because oftentimes this is born out of a place of pain or yeah. failure or insecurity. Yeah. I was going to joke and be like, poor me. Yeah. But it's not a joking matter. We all have those insecurities. But That's right. And so this one's real. And, and yet it's almost certainly untrue. Mm-hmm. Unless, you're, <laughs> unless you're a gigantic jerk, mm-hmm. chances are there's someone that would love to meet with you. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, everybody wants to be seen and known and enjoyed. And uh, it's a great benefit when someone takes the initiative with you. Yeah. And so chances are there's someone around your life that could be really blessed uh, by meeting with you. Again, not necessarily even gaining all of your wisdom or all the Bible verses you know. Uh, what I've found is primarily what we have to offer people mm-hmm. oftentimes is just our presence and our care. Yeah. And um, there's something about humans, I think, that... Uh, yeah, there's a nice truck. There's something about humans where where we can see decently well oftentimes into other people's lives, but we're pre- pretty blind into our own lives. And so what we can offer someone else is the gift of a different presence, uh, perspective, I mean, different perspective. Yep. And that's what you can offer. All right, you ready for number 12? Yes. <laughs> number 12 is, it's going to be easy and you'll be really successful. Yes, because everything in life that's worth doing is easy and you'll be successful. Actually, Actually, that is not true, is it? Okay, so unfortunately, this is not a foolproof program you're taking someone through. You're engaging in real relationships in real time with heart-level stuff. And so it's tough. And so you'll actually experience uh, difficulty and even pain and failure at times. And it won't necessarily have to do with anything that you're doing because messy stuff is involved, people's hearts. Sometimes people will walk away like nothing ever happened after meeting with you. Uh, other times they'll turn around and, and blame you for ills in their life. Some even will eventually walk away from Christ. And that can be very difficult. I, again, I've had that, that happen to me with folks I've met with. And there's real pain there and disappointment. But if you uh, keep in mind that at the end of the day, you're doing, uh, you're offering your presence to someone. And it's not ultimately about production or performance, but it's about faithfulness on your part. No matter their response, that's ultimately what's involved. So um, one thing that might be helpful here uh, is uh, uh, to remember to look for micro-movement. So one of the ways that we can sense and experience failure uh, in, in this arena is when we, we, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot going on, doesn't seem like there's much growth or change happening in the person we're meeting with. But often there's something happening. Mm-hmm. God's in the mix and oftentimes change is really slow. Yeah. Especially a genuine internal heart change uh, often is very slow. Very slow, painfully yeah. slow yeah. at times. But God can help you to develop an eye for micro-movement. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this can be very encouraging as you develop this eye, not only for yourself, but for the person you're meeting with to help them to get, get a sense that God is doing stuff and engaging in their life. So be prepared for failure and pain. It's going to be part of it, but it's going to be worth it. Yeah. It's going to be worth it. Good. Okay, final one. Are you ready for the last one? Yep. Well, number 13, you got to do this alone. Yes, Lone Ranger discipleship is the way to go. No, that is a misconception. Oh, You've got to do this alone. No. So one thing that can, I think, trip people up here is the, uh, I think, very Western American idea that we have, we have to be hyperly private. Uh, and, and 
of course, when we meet with people, we want to keep confidences and be private. Uh, we want to keep the circle of things as small as possible. But there will be times when you need help. You need to know what to do. Someone will share something or something's happening and you need some help. And so uh, when, when it comes to that, you'll, you'll ask for permission. And oftentimes you'll start a discipling relationship uh, with this understanding. You'll ask permission to talk to leaders like Ben and me or others, yeah. your life group leader, to get help. Because at the end of the day, you want their good. And it's yeah. about the body building itself up in love, not primarily about privacy. Yeah, yeah. A lot of traction can be made in that one-on-one discipleship relationship, but everyone needs a team around them. That's right. And um, and we need a, a multitude of counselors. Uh, and right. so, yeah, lean on your church leaders, a pastor, elders, mm-hmm. other trusted friends. That's right. But, but share first. Hey, can I share this with so-and-so so we can get some other eyes on it and get some sure. help? That's Especially right. if someone shares something that's just going to be too heavy a burden for you to bear alone. That's you right. got to get help on those sorts of things. That's right. So you don't have to do it alone. All right, so there you go. There's 13 popular misconceptions about discipleship. Yes, we've debunked them all. <laughs> well, hopefully it's a step forward. And so uh, we'd love to hear from you. Which one or two of these uh, did you really connect with? Which ones felt like uh, stumbling blocks for you? And we'd love to hear uh, how maybe you're, you're taking a step forward. Yeah. Uh, uh, moving forward uh, through some of your misconceptions and fears. And uh, we'd love to see what God does yep. with a lot of this stuff. Love to hear successes and failures, but no more excuses. That's right. And just quick, some may want to take a step, a quick action step. So discipleship, one-on-one discipleship, we're talking ideally weekly, carving out an hour and a half, meet with someone, get into the scriptures or some other content, mm-hmm. Pray together, mm-hmm. and that's a great start. And if that's you can't right. do it every week, an hour and a half, maybe every other week, an hour, just find what works for you. Yeah. Jump in there. That's right. I don't think you'll regret it. Yeah. I was scared to get started, but I sure haven't regretted it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, thanks again for tuning in to this episode of The Chopping Block. Uh, if you've uh, got ideas about other things you'd like for us to cover on this Chopping Block uh, podcast or vlog, uh, let us know. Otherwise, uh, have a wonderful day, and uh, maybe we'll see you uh, someday up here on the top of the Discovery Center. That's right. More great content at tallgrass.church. Tallgrass.church, that's right. All right. Talk to you later. Bye.